Welcome to HSBC Talks Business, the podcast series that brings together business leaders and industry experts to explore the latest global insights, trends, and opportunities. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes. Thanks for listening, and now on to today's show. Welcome to Inspiring Progressive Female Entrepreneurs, a podcast mini-series that seeks to empower and support women who are on the journey of growing and scaling their business. We'll speak with inspiring women about their stories and get practical advice from entrepreneurs who've been there before. This podcast has been created in partnership with Albright. Thank you for joining us. First, I'd like to kick off with a warm welcome to Nicole, our guest speaker for today. Myself, I'm, I'm Andrea Tuana. Um, I work in the regional client coverage team here at HSBC. I'm a part of the HSBC commercial banking business in Asia Pacific. I've, in my career, I've had a variety of different roles in uh, leverage finance, debt finance, technology sector coverage. Uh, I've worked very, very closely with fast-growing, tech-enabled, importantly female-backed businesses, just like yourselves, and also the investor ecosystem, both in the UK and Hong Kong, and also regionally here in Asia. So I've really seen firsthand the importance of the sort of conversations that we'll be having here today. We all know that women face significant challenges in accessing and raising capital as entrepreneurs, securing 5% less capital than their male counterparts. Nicole, congratulations. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, We're really pleased to have you here today. Uh, So a bit about Nicole, she's the founder of Next Chapter Ventures, the first female-focused rewards crowdfunding platform in Asia and Australia, and also founder of Next Chapter Raise, a digital membership community for female entrepreneurs and women-owned businesses to help get them funded faster. Nicole has also co-founded Sophia, a female education platform focused on tackling the gender wealth gap through digital learning products. Next Chapter is a funding portal, especially for female entrepreneurs and women-owned businesses in Asia to improve their access to funding. Its first service is a rewards-based crowdfunding platform that supports entrepreneurs wanting to raise funds, create market buzz, and validate their fantastic business ideas. In a previous life, Nicole has also worked at PwC in US IPO and advisory practices across Europe and Asia. Nicole, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Let's start at the beginning. So uh, what does Next Chapter do and why did you start it? Hi, Andrea. Thank you for having me. So I'm really excited to be here to talk about funding, you know, particularly around um, my experience through Next Chapter Raise and our crowdfunding platforms because, you know, our experience is really around the platform is all around all forms of capital, you know, and education. So we work extensively in addition to the crowdfunding, but grants giving organizations, lending institutions like HSBC, angel investors and networks, um, venture capital firms across Asia and into global connectivity. And the way that we've done that is we work through programs, coaching events for individuals. We work with businesses to support their programs, to support their female founders um, through either education or acceleration. And then we partner with a lot of organizations who support women in their fundraising. So we think that we need more practical advice for everyone. And I really started this because uh, there is such a clear problem for women to access funding and 
The reality is that women bootstrap their businesses for longer. We use more of our personal savings. We raise less money from day one. We raise slower. So I don't mean to be the negative person here, but I'm often asked to address why we talk about female in front of founders. And I think the reality is when we talk about money, we do have to address that there are some issues around them accessing capital. Thank you so much, Nicole. And we're here to talk about the spectrum of funding options available to these businesses. Everything from, as you said, personal savings, bootstrapping, to accessing bank loans, and also moving on sort of venture capital investment, external, external investors. So it'd be really great if you could walk us through that whole spectrum, please. I'm just going to touch on the idea stage of a business early and growth stage, because actually when we look at thinking about the funding that we're interested in as businesses, everyone's in a different situation. And really it's around understanding where are you in your business stage and therefore understanding what you need to raise money for and what type of capital would be good for that. So if we start with the idea stage, you know, that's really, I really at pre-MVP, you're identifying um, what the customer problem is. You're looking to test out ideas, you're doing your market research, and you're really just forming your capital as a business, right? You're getting your team in place, you're doing registration, you're doing logos, um, you might have a prototype, you know, that's why we've done a lot of crowdfunding because crowdfunding is great for manufacturing and products because getting your MVP out and testing that through tools like that. Um, you're at this stage where it's all around launch, it's around getting off the ground and the capital you need from that for most businesses is very different from what you would look for if you were a later stage where you've already got revenue or traction. So in this idea stage, if you are just at that launch point, you're really looking at A, bootstrapping your own savings. So you've obviously started this business and you, you straight into your own, um, you would be in your own savings. So that's that's a starting point for everyone, right? You know, you know, you look at Amazon, you look at all the big companies, right? It starts with everyone around day one you know, what's your business. But, you know, you're looking here, friends and family, because if you're only at a very, such an early stage, friends and families are the one that know you and believe in you, right? So they're the type of people you're reaching out to. You might be looking at grants and incubators because incubators differ from accelerators because incubators at this point are all about an innovative idea, disruption to an industry where accelerators are about accelerating your idea. Obviously, rewards-based crowdfunding, which is um, very much... Um, you know, like a pre-tail type, pre-e-commerce type model where you're selling things in advance of them being distributed is a great way to kickstart a business. Um, and angel investors, kind of, you can start talking to them about now. So, so that's your idea stage very early on. Then when we move on to the next stage, which is what we call the early stage, but this is you've got your pilot up and running, um, you're improving your MVP, you're really trying to build brand, you're looking at your revenue model or your traction, you're iterating here. And this is when you're starting to build a team. In particular, this is where you need more people, either for sales, kind of any additional research you need to be for technology or product development. I mean, this is where you're starting to look away from just the, the structure of the business to how am I going to start growing this business? How am I going to put more around me? And that, again, is angel investors are now looking at you as a founder. What have you achieved so much? So much? What is your goal? Um, crowdfunding is still popular here because and, and possible because you can even do multiple product ranges on crowdfunding. So it's a good way to keep the money going. Accelerators are great at this stage because they help you really move your business forward. And obviously lending, if depending on your business model, you could already be getting some revenue in and thinking about 
um, kind of traditional lending or more the revenue-based financing lending, but you're already at that stage of I've got a story to tell, which is great, and that's where you want to get to. And then the final stage, um, which is the growth stage, and that's when you've really got pipeline in place, you've got a story to tell, you're at that repeatable and standardized model as a business that really you're about scaling up faster. Okay. And um, this is when we definitely can talk about lending because you're able to pay back loans. You've got, you know, the ability to do that. So that's that stage that's more applicable than in the idea. You're looking at venture capital because they're looking at that you're a repeatable and scalable model because you're past product market fit in idea, you're past MVP in early, you're now growth. I'm repeatable, I'm scalable, right? Much more interesting. And then in that stage, obviously, it, it can go to a, a longer extension of strategic investors. And but those apply to all types of businesses, all types of capital. And so I think it's really important to understand those are a variety of capital. But if you look specifically at the venture capital cycle, if you are just to look, if you're interested in the equity fundraise um, cycle, that top line really kind of reflects a bit what I've talked about is your idea, your early, your growth. So you're going through different stages as a business. But at the bottom, what type of investors? There's a lot of terminology out there, right? So this is when you're starting to look at seed, which would come from family and friends, possibly an angel. Um, you're going to an angel investor, which typically they'll give you up to a million dollars. So particularly if you go into networks, you can look for there. Then you're going into your early stage venture capital and um, you'll hear the word series A, B, C, it goes all, I think we work at one point was it G, you know, you, you've got all these different stages of funding that you'll increasingly um, raise additional capital. So that's kind of where you are in this venture capital stage. So we've talked about other types of capital, but here it's being aware of how the types of investors align with where you are in your business cycle and obviously cash flow and your path to either profitability or scalability is quite key um, in that cycle. So that's just trying to give you a bit of a snapshot of, of what we talk about when we talk about the funding spectrum. Thanks so much, Nicole. I mean, there's so much food for thought there and every stage is going to resonate with people. I mean, I think the thing that really actually struck me as you were talking is of all the different businesses that you've founded uh, and now are you know, working closely with today, you know, what was your funding journey like? What would you do if you were going to do it again? But I think um, when I started Next Chapter A's, I'd come out of corporate, but I was looking to um, move into something interesting. And I really wanted to actually move into a new career. So I approached a bit of entrepreneurship around building a business, kind of a new expertise. And I was interested in changing or contributing to an industry that needed change. So I had a little bit of a too many hats going on in, in all reality. But if I focused on the, the business perspective, I think the three things that I would have, you know, I focused on and I would always recommend focusing on, particularly early on, is product market fit and revenue stream. Really getting your product market fit, showing that you've got some success because you can always expand your business from that. Wow. Okay. So what was your actual funding journey like then in terms of, you know, the, the process of, you know, trying to get some, you know, you had, you had, you obviously had really good ideas and a really clear objective, but how did you go about these sort of initial discussions that you were talking about? Well, it's interesting because that's the process we're currently in as a business ourselves. So, so that's why I feel we've learned so much about that whole process. I mean, we've looked at, you know, the crowdfunding we've done, 
we've looked at the lending, we're now looking at the equity process. So that's why I very much um, live the story as well as work with founders who are part of that story. What I would say for what's really important for business owners when they're really considering their funding options, I think what you really need to be looking at is um, the earlier you start, the better. It doesn't matter what type of capital option you're looking at, but I really do recommend the earlier that you start thinking about that um, in terms of growth plans, even if you don't take action right now, how does that build into your plan? Um, you really need to be clear about what the funding is for and what you expect to achieve from it, okay? So you're not just looking at funding from the investor's perspective, but it's from your own business purpose, okay? So what are you going to do with this? Where do you see the business in a year, 18 months, three years, five years, depending on the type of funding you're taking and depending how often you look at funding. So I think that's why it's important we think about the funding spectrum. You might do, so you're bootstrapping, but then you might go for a grant or crowdfund. Um, then you might do equity crowd. Uh, you might then go and look at equity because that can be a journey that you go through. Um, I think that's really, it's really important to understand the stage you're in, where you are now, where do you want to go is really important. Aligning it with your business plan because we keep talking about funding, but what's your business plan? Because even if you go and look at non-equity solutions, everyone is going to ask you, yes, I want to see a pitch deck, but what's the plan for the business? But ultimately, you need to be able to very clear on what the plan is for the business. So making sure that everything you're doing is aligned to that. Even when you're talking to investors as well, you need to sell your whole growth story because what happens is investors, when they're talking to you, are going to say, particularly if you're looking at angels and venture capital funding, what they're going to ask is, okay, great. If you take fundraising now, what's your next stage of fundraising? Or what will you do with this money and will you raise more? And you actually need to be prepared to answer that type of question. So I think that's um, some of the things that are really important when you're starting to think about your um, funding options. No, that's really helpful. And I think that, that idea of sort of a few golden nuggets in terms of what investors are really looking for, I think is, you know, it's hugely valuable to to everybody. Is there, is there anything else other than that kind of painting the picture? You know, fundamentally, what are you going to do with your investment story? Is there anything else that you think investors are really looking for when they see participants like, you know, like our audience today presenting at a pitch? Absolutely. So, so first of all, <laughs> they're looking for the right founders. Okay. So at this stage of um, investment, really, it's around the founder's ability to execute and so there might be other people working on the same idea as you. And investors see a lot of pitches. So what they're really looking for is, can you turn this into a viable business? This problem and solution you've identified, the solution you're developing, is this a viable business? So the credibility of you as a founder and your team is really important. Um, so really making sure that um, you bring that to the table when you're talking to investors and being you know, confident about that. Resilience and grit is what they also look for in the founder because um, you know, most investors understand that the plan you present in your pitch, that is what you hope to achieve, but things change. Okay. So I know a company here that they were regulated in terms of their startup, but what they were doing was quite unique, but it did have a regulated aspect. And then um, they, part of their business was in India. Well, the regulations changed in India and that part of the business got completely shut down. And so they then had to A, talk to their investors, but look at the business more broadly because they've lost the stream of the business. How did that impact that? So they want to see that you're passionate about it, you're resilient, you've got grit to really deal with things like that that might come up. Um, you know, they're also 
it's good to talk about product market um, problem and solution, but they're also looking for you to dig into that solution and show product market fit. Because you might say, this is the problem, the solution, that's great. But how are you actually going to make money? What is your solution looking like that you've got people buying it? You know, it's kind of peeling back the onion a bit more. You know, thinking through to that next level um, is really important. And I think from there, it's much easier for things to fall into place. Um, conviction is key. If they feel you have any self-doubt about your business and where you're going, they will smell that or see that and they will be like, well, if you don't believe in your business, why should I? So when you're talking to an investor, you need to be, no, it's not about confidence, about conviction. I'm the right person to take this, you know, to the next level. I'm the person you want to invest in, not the other five pitches you saw today. That's conviction and who mm. you are. Um, yeah. So I think some of those points are uh, really what you need to bring to the table, what they're looking for. That's great. Thanks so much, Nicole. I mean, I think it's uh, sort of empowering here when you're talking about it. Uh, but I guess in some ways, I guess some people may be thinking, well, how do I actually, I know that I can do that, but how do I evidence that to the people sat across the table from me? And yeah. I just wondered if, what's the kind of standout pitch that you've seen? Or was there anything that made a specific example special that kind of really exemplified the sorts of traits that you're talking about? I mean, really, standout pitches or pitches that I think engage with investors, really, um, they can effectively tell the story of the business. I mean, there is a really clear story throughout the pitch, okay? Because actually pitching is storytelling, you know, you're sharing why you're doing this, you know, the engagement you're getting and why it's working and, you know, why you should invest me into it. You actually, to get to when you finish with asking for an investment number, you need to have led them to say, yes, that makes sense, right? So, so you don't look at all at the pitch as individual pages. It's really around, you know, building up to, to those final stages around the discussion, right? And wanting them to kind of end and ask for more. You know, don't get stuck on the origin story or your problem. It's um, we're all passionate about our business. And if you only have 10 minutes to pitch and you spend four to five minutes on why this is so important to you, why this is a really important problem to solve, you know, you, you get stuck there. They understand that and they're interested, but they really want to hear the whole story. So coming back to that, we, I, I see a lot of people get stuck at the origin and also at business models. You know, the reality is that most of our businesses follow a form of business model. We might be doing something different in terms of maybe the business that we're hoping to achieve, but the reality is we're a SaaS model, right? You're looking at different models, you know, you're doing sales through products, you retail, et cetera. You know, you're an online marketplace. If they will get your business model, you might have to explain the way you're going to build revenue out of that. But actually the type of model, don't get too stuck there. They'll get that and move along. Um, you know, they want to see a simple timeline for growth in terms of after funding in six months, we will do X. Um, say that I've hired five people or we've obtained three more um, B2B clients, you know, in 12 months, we will have expanded into another country, say Singapore. They want to have seen a time frame. So when you say, well, look, I'm, I'm asking for 500,000 US or a million dollars, you've kind of led them to why that money is going to be needed because you've told a very simple time frame here. So that's important. And again, focus plans for growth. So if you have too much going on, they, the investors will think you're not really focused on how you're going to really make this business viable financially. 
And so it's really around making sure that you move the noise, you move a lot of activities. As, as founders, we can do a lot. We, we try, we're so, we're, there's probably always 10 new ideas every day. The reality is how do you bring that back to your KPI? How do you bring that to financial viability? And so I think that's what you need to make sure your pitch shows. So even though you have a lot of ideas where you can take a business, the reality is they want to know what you're going to do with their money. So that's what you need to have on the page versus the world that we all want to conquer. Because <laughs> I know that's probably for many of you what, what we all want to do. Um, and knowing your numbers is really important. Customer information, traction. If you're pre-revenue, you know, having different data points you can talk to. Um, if you're post-revenue, obviously the stickiness of customers. Is there an increase in spend? Um, you know, how often they're coming back? You know, that type of element is really important. Now, if you are one of those people that aren't really confident around financial numbers, which a lot of people aren't, that's fine. What you need to do is make sure that what you've included in your deck, you feel comfortable talking to, okay? Because if they feel you don't understand numbers in there, that will create a problem for them in terms of your credibility. And if they ask you a question at the end on a number and you're not sure, you just say, I don't know, let me come back to you, move on. <laughs> so that's what I would say they look for. Or that, and what's kind of what stands out. No, that makes sense. I just wondered as well, like all of that, that's a lot of content. Like how, mm. roughly on average, how long should you be speaking as for a pitch like of that size when you're initially um, meeting an investor? So, I mean, it, it, it really does depend on the format that you're pitching in. So you would have 12, maybe 15 slides at most. So, so you either have your elevator pitch where you've got this, you know, 30 to 90 seconds of you can nail who you are and why you're doing that. That's great. Um, you know, if you're at a pitch competition, some of them are five minutes long, some of them are 10 minutes long. So depending on that format, but if you are meeting with someone, say you only have 30 minutes, you don't want to spend the 30 minutes talking. You need to get across your business because they will have a lot of questions. And actually the best way to engage with them is to give them the time to ask you questions. So don't be nervous or worried about the questions, because if you don't know, you just say, I don't know and move on and say, I'll email you later or share information because that's okay. You can't have everything at your fingertips, right? But what you do want to do, what you want to be is honest. So I think regardless of the time you've got, make sure you allow time to engage with the investors afterwards. That's fantastic. Yeah, thank you, Nicole. And I guess turning that, uh, the, this advice, um, is nuggets on, on its head, we probably have some people on the call who are feeling a bit dejected maybe because, you know, it's a very competitive landscape for investor money still so they might have been rejected or they've had some sort of potentially negative feedback how how would you suggest that the entrepreneurs on the call today sort of deal with that if you've been repeatedly rejected for funding for example? i know it can be it can be demoralizing and i think um you look at some of the biggest companies in the world they had a lot of no's or rejections so so i think you know you're not the only one so so take heart on that i think first of all I would recommend looking at the dynamics around, are you speaking to the investors that are right for you in terms of either the industry, the, the amount of money you're looking for? Have you practiced your pitch? And are you telling a clear story that shows your growth plan? So making sure that you do that and you're practiced and um, you know, you're prepared for that. Are you creating FOMO, you know, building the dream to investors? Because for many of them, particularly say if you're in a some form of demo day 
or you're at an event where there's a few of you, they see multiple uh, pictures. I mean, what makes you stand out? What makes them go, oh, yes, that's of the five I've just seen. I want to talk to them after this. Okay. So that's what um, is really important. Um, are you too early in your pitching? Do you need more pipeline? Do you need more customers? Do you need a better story? And this comes back to the funding spectrum around maybe you can look at other forms of um, investment that boost you a bit, give you a better story so that you can re-engage on equity, like fundraising from, um, say, a VC when your story is a bit tighter. You know, you've got a little bit more traction to, to talk to. So that's where, again, looking at the grants or maybe you have to talk, You may, maybe you've already got an angel. You go back into them for a small amount that boosts you so that, you know, you can then go to the VCs later on. So so think about it kind of you continually bridging your business in terms of that that financing story, right? They're all connected. They're all making you um, a better story. So don't also be worried someone else has gotten funding and you're not because everyone's on a different story. So um, I know this, there's often a lot of pressure to be getting funding really, really early. But the thing is, it's going to be right for your business because you're bringing on investors um, and that's a responsibility uh, in terms of taking on that money and what you do with it. I think also ask them why they said no, right? I mean, there's no harm in asking. They've said no, you've now got nothing to lose in one way. Um, so try to understand from them what is the problem from their like from their perspective, what's the problem? You know, or is there a problem? Or they're just like, we are seeing companies, but actually we're not investing um, because at the moment we're just not deploying capital. It could just be that simple. So you need to understand their motivation for saying no. Um, they say no, ask for recommendations to investors they think might be a better fit for you and or any other ideas they might have for you. So make sure you ask for feedback and always kind of position that, but don't just let them say no and walk away. I mean, really try and understand that. Thank you so much, Nicole. I, I think actually on that point as well, just an extension of the last comment that you made, um, I mean, I've, I've seen it firsthand where investors can be quite blunt, which can be quite helpful in terms of their feedback, but it can be quite discouraging. If it gets to the point where, you know, you're sort of feeling like people are challenging you know, the vision that you've got or the strategic direction of the business, what what advice or guidance would you give at that point? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I mean, and although we seek feedback, sometimes it's not a positive experience to hear something. And, and I think what I would look for is, is there a consistent message coming out from those discussions? Okay, so what you should be doing um, you know, after every meeting is writing down all of the feedback that you've gotten. So making sure you've got notes about the meeting, both for yourself, obviously you, you go back and thank that investor and, and send some follow-up to you know, keep them warm. But what you want to do is analyze, because if you then look at those notes after five meetings and you're seeing a consistent message coming out in terms of, well, we don't really understand why this is a problem. Or yes, there's a problem, but we don't understand um, how you're going to go out to your market or your target market just doesn't seem realistic or you're targeting the wrong part of the market. And if, you know, you might hear that consistently, you, you might hear that, that your, your market might be a problem um, or it might be that you're just not realistic because you're targeting too many uh, maybe locations or you're growing too fast. You know, it could be anything. So look at that and see what actions you can take off that um, and, and just be intellectually honest with yourself. You know, what am I hearing from them? Because that doesn't mean your business should be shut down and you're a failure. Not at all. What they're doing is it's so complex to build a business. There's so many moving pieces. 
they're actually in their own way giving you um, like a, a bit of a, a vision into one part that, that you, they consistently think we don't see that working for you. So you need to understand why, and maybe take action on that. Um, and if you do, and you've kind of changed that, go back to those investors when you've kind of moved along and go back, hey, you gave me this feedback. You know what? I actioned that and look where we are now. What do you think? So um, don't take it as a, as a full shutdown type discussion. I mean, take it as an opportunity. Um, also think about, are you talking to the right person at the right time? Because it's possible if you're getting different feedback from some people, you may just not be talking to the right people. So I know a founder who had a conversation with an investor and actually it was the worst timing for her in the in the research stage of her business she nearly spent a week thinking about closing the business it was a really difficult week and i remember chatting to her about this and we talked about well, was that the right feedback and interestingly enough she kept going about seven or eight months later he came back and said you know what i love your business i really want to invest <laughs> and the problem was right at that point he didn't understand enough about her business he wasn't in the right point it, it just didn't work so also keep that in mind of who you're talking to i think that's a really important point because you know it goes back to the themes around kind of grit resilience and conviction but also yeah. some of this sounds a little bit like almost like a cultural fit point as well like mm-hmm. are they the right people for you to be working with and i think that yeah. also probably leads onto a really useful point around you know these these are key stakeholders. It might not just be the money that you're after. So is, is, are there any other factors that other entrepreneurs should be thinking about when seeking an investor to partner with? Absolutely. I mean, if you're going out to look for investment, um, whether that's an once you're starting to talk about handing over equity in your business, you know, whether that's an angel or venture capital, um, and whether this is a first time or follow on funding, I mean, you really want to define your investor requirements. So um, the worst thing that you can say is, oh, I'm looking for an investor and say, oh, Satya, what type of investor? And you go, anyone. <laughs> you know, first of all, <laughs> time waste for you. It's absolute time waste because anyone is, is just so broad, right? And I have had people say that to me. And so my recommendation is really define your investor requirements. You know, what industry you are in. So obviously you want to search around that. You know, what geography are you in? What geographies might you go into? Okay, are you B2B? Are you direct to consumer? Are you product? Are you tech? Because you need to, I know you, you yeah, obviously all of you know this, but about your business, but you really need to define that because as you've got that checklist of, okay, this is the type of business I am, these are the metrics around um, the kind of the, the parameters around the type of business I am, and therefore the type of investor I need to look at. So you've got to start thinking about, okay, um, going onto their websites, understanding that about those businesses, those investors. So do the research. And if you, um, if someone recommends an investor to you, ask, well, are they in these areas? Because yes, you can go and talk to anyone again, but if they are again in Southeast Asia focused on consumer products and you're here in Hong Kong um, and you're starting an app of some variety, I mean, they're just, you that's going to be a wasted conversation for both of you, okay? So although people will kindly give you referrals, you know, think about your own time, respect your own time about that um, and understand their investment thesis and the values on their websites. They all have a bit of that around to that you can read and understand, um, you know, what they're doing. Also, if you are talking to investors or if you're looking at their website, try to understand are they doing follow-on funding? Because that's actually quite important that if you do one round with them, particularly as you move into talking to venture capital firms, 
Um, later on, if you need to raise more money, obviously working with your existing investors is the best solution. They know you, they've invested, they understand your business. Um, you know, it's, it's still a relationship you have to build, work on and sell into, but it's a whole different story than coldly trying to find additional money later on. Try and understand from them what level of involvement they would have. You know, what are the expectations of the relationship, really? What do you expect of an investor? What do they expect of you in terms of either financial reporting regularly? Um, how do they want to give strategic advice? Are they a firm with shared services, which means they can give you some legal and accounting or other support? Um, think about that. And at the end of this, if you are getting to a great conversation with an investor, go and try and talk to their alumni or any portfolio companies to understand what that investor is like, um, you know, because this is your business, you're not begging for money in any way, shape or form. You're saying, I have a great business idea. It's an opportunity for you to be involved. So you need to value uh, this kind of questions in terms of your business um, and going out and researching investors. Thank you, Nicole. I feel like we've got so much ground there. So we've heard Nicole speak today about everything from personal savings, bank loans, venture capital, how to pitch, what her own personal journey has looked like, and then also, you know, how we match make with investors. Uh, it, it's, I mean, there's so much to, to content that we've covered there today. So thank you so much, Nicole. Just to wrap up, what do you wish you knew then that you know now? I think two things. One is being laser focused. I keep coming back to this focus. It's just relentless. It's something that I have worked on a lot. Um, the other thing is recognizing what you do well and outsourcing the things that um, maybe you don't like or you don't do as well, or you just don't have the time to do. And really coming back to this, um, you know, valuing your time and understanding that Spending time on something means you may not be able to go and do sales or partnership development, um, you know, or could impact an existing relationship with a customer because you're spending too much time on other areas of the business that aren't, they're still valuable, but they're not valuable to, in terms of use of your time in terms of growing the business. So I think that's really, really important that you look at using systems like Zero or different types of accounting support, um, depending on the stage of businesses, it's, you know, outsourcing into, you know, part-time consultants or Fiverr, et cetera, you know, leveraging where you can to support you so that you can focus on what you need to do to grow the business and always think commercially, do your financials regularly, you know, reach out for support you need because you can't do this alone. So don't hesitate to ask people. And and I, I always tell people about when they want to start a business, I say, just do it. But I think everyone's at that point, which is great. <laughs> Thank you, Nicole. You've been listening to Inspiring Progressive Female Entrepreneurs, HSBC's podcast mini-series dedicated to supporting women on the path of growing and scaling their own businesses. To access more resources for female entrepreneurs, please refer to the description of this podcast. Thank you for joining us at HSBC Talks Business. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please do subscribe to the HSBC Talks Business channel to stay up to date with new episodes.